now it's time for the only show that doesn't care about ratings, Witness Radio, with your host, Ryan Muniak. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Witness Radio, the only show that doesn't care about ratings because our sole purpose is to save souls on purpose. Go to witnesstalkradio.org for more episodes and syndication options. Today, I have a very special guest, Eric Hoban from Creation Today. Eric, thank you for being on the show. Hey, Ryan, I love what you do. Thank you so much, bro, for being a witness and putting it on the radio for everybody to hear. Oh, thank you so much. So today you are actually kind of going to take over the show. Yeah, I feel like I get to do a role reversal and I get to do your job. I'm actually interviewing Gary and Melissa Ingram. They're from Love and Truth Network, and they have a very interesting and I believe much needed ministry in the world and specifically in the church today because they deal with the issues of sexual brokenness. And it seems to be the elephant in the room that nobody wants to talk about. And now in church today, people are realizing um, we better address this. We better talk about this. So Gary and Melissa actually come from a, uh, a background of sexual brokenness themselves. And they understand very clearly uh, you know, where people are at, what they're going through, and how to bring the love of Christ into their life and show them what they're really looking for. So, without further ado, Eric, it's off to you and the Ingrams. You're listening to Witness Radio. It's exciting to have you guys here and to see what God has done in your life. You guys have both been involved in sexual brokenness. Mm -hmm. I guess we all have at some point. Yeah, for me, I grew up in a Christian home, and I um, grew up, though, in a pretty legalistic setting, pretty legalistic home. And went to church every Sunday, uh, multiple times a week. And but um, it sounds familiar. Probably. It does. Yeah. I, that's me. Yep. But what with me, I was the I'm the youngest of five kids, and I was not planned for. I came from a pretty poor family, and my dad was not super crazy about um, having another child. My mom wasn't either. But after I was born, my mom really fell in love with me. And my dad, um, my dad loved me, certainly, but we didn't have a real bond uh, together. Mm -hmm. The other, uh, I had three brothers and one sister, and my three brothers were more like my dad, uh, kind mm -hmm. of rough and tumble, typical boy type. I was much more sensitive, mm -hmm. and uh, I, I, I wound up staying connected to my mom and my, and my sister, and really not to my brothers at all. Uh, they were just old enough that they didn't want me tagging around with them and their friends and yeah. all that. So really, even though my mom kind of foisted me onto them, they weren't happy about that. I experienced that, I felt that. Went to school, experienced similar things there. So really, mm -hmm. my, my growing in my growing up years, the, the only place I felt was safe for me was with girls. And so by the time I hit puberty, you know, I knew all about girls. Um, I didn't have hardly any connections with, with guys or men at all, nothing that was positive, quite abusive oftentimes. When I was five or six years old, I was asked to, to come and visit um, on, on the bus home from school. Uh, some neighborhood boys asked me to come over and, and play with them. And I was really jazzed about that because I just didn't get that kind of invitation often. And when I went over, it turns out that they just wanted to show me their dad's hardcore porn. Wow. And so uh, page after page after page was flipped, and they just roared um, watching my face at these images and um, I there was something that died in me my innocence died that day yeah and I still remember at 49 years old now I still remember the very first image that I saw and and then later on there was uh, this is kind of fuzzy for me but there was some homosexual behavior that happened between them as well and um, but that pornography when I stop and think about how that impacted me that 
totally changed my life. By the time I hit puberty, I would, I would look for it, steal it, do whatever I could to get my yeah. hands on it. And then I realized with horror that I was not attracted to girls in my teen years. I realized at one point I'm attracted to guys. And I knew what the Bible said about that. And I'd hear these messages about that. And mm. I just, I felt like I was just a piece of garbage. And wow. I prayed and prayed and prayed. And, and honestly, many times church members make some um, Christians will just sort of glibly say that homosexuality is a choice. Well, behaviors are a choice, yeah. but the feelings are not. Uh, nobody wakes up one day, and, and, or rarely does anybody wake up one day and say, I'm just going to choose something like homosexuality. Instead, we discover that we're attracted, and then what do we do with that is really the question. And, and from in my experience, the church didn't have good answers. Um, mm. The pastors that I went to were very uncomfortable with what I was dealing with, and so either didn't help me at all or simply gave some really trite, answers about, even even well-meaning pastors, tried answers about reading my Bible more and praying, mm. which I was already doing. Anyway, um, I finally got to a place, I, I went um, uh, into Bible, a local Bible school um, in the area, Bible college in the area, and um, and finally quit early, um, actually was kicked out uh, because of uh, emotional issues and problems that I was having, and I finally just said, you know what, God, I hate you, I hate wow. your church. I, I don't want to have anything to do with any of this because mm-hmm. I pray and pray to you to come along and help me. And you, from my perspective, do absolutely nothing but condemn me. So I went off for a number of years, um, even becoming a bartender at a gay bar, and uh, really fully embraced that, that way of life. Yeah. So that was the beginning of my story, at least. Wow. No, man. <laughs> did you know all that, Melissa? I did. <laughs> I know you I did. I did, although it is funny that when we're sharing... Um, sometimes he'll say something, and I'll be like, oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> and so it's interesting. <laughs> okay. Y- you have a history I, I, uh, of, of brokenness yep. that you re- now realize was brokenness. Melissa, what's your testimony? What's your story? So, um, yeah, my story is, you know, pretty typical. I grew up in a, in a religious home where we went to church on Sundays, but it wasn't really modeled in the day-to-day. Mm. My parents' marriage was broken, and they, um, and they admit that. Um, they're now divorced. But I grew up with my dad not being around, and so long story short, and I think a lot of women do this, um, I went looking for love in all mm. the wrong places. And so um, I... You know, I managed to hold on to my virginity until I was about 18, but um, did lots of stuff before that. And for me, it was about looking to someone to tell me who I was. Mm -hmm. I was not okay. I didn't feel loved. I didn't feel worthy unless I was with someone in a relationship. Mm -hmm. And so even though um, it was only three relationships, they were long-term, they were exclusive. I mean, in, in sense, very dependent, if that makes yeah. um, you know, makes sense. And then uh, I was engaged in college to my boyfriend, and this emptiness inside of me just kept growing. And I was in a secular university, and my friends were into all kinds of things. And I you know, was exposed to um, lesbianism and homosexuality. And I thought, you know what? If, if a guy can't meet my needs, maybe a woman mm. can. I was like, hmm. And so I began, you know, investigating that. I got involved in a lesbian relationship my senior year of college. And I thought, this is what I've been looking for my whole life. It wow. just felt right. Mm-hmm. This woman's going to be the one. Yeah, right. I mean, <laughs> she dropped me like a hot potato like a month later. But by then, 
I was already involved, you know what I mean? Yeah. And so that began a real struggle with same-sex attraction. And um, at the same time, the ending of that relationship, it, it just broke me. And it was, all of my broken relationships came crashing down on me. And so about two months after she dumped me, I gave my life to Christ. Wow. So that was really God's hand in rescuing me out of a life of, of really just darkness. So mm-hmm. that's wow. sort of the short story. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> well, yes. yeah, in, 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 in order to not, I mean, obviously we, we go, hey, we've got to be honest with where we've been mm-hmm. uh, to know what God has done. Mm-hmm. And right. at the same time, we don't glorify the sin. Right. We want to say, look, there, there was broken. Because there's a lot of people out there right now mm-hmm. that yes. are, gonna, are struggling with exactly where you guys have been. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what did God do? You said God saved you two months later. Uh, Gary, how did that work out in your life? Well, for a while, um, it, when I first went into my first gay bar, I felt like it was really the only place I'd ever felt like I belonged to my whole life. Mm. It felt like more of a place of belonging to my family, mm-hmm. certainly more of a place of belonging than the church. And so it took a while. There was a period of euphoria. There, was a, there were a couple of years of really um, feeling like this, was, this is the place I'm meant to be. And... But there was a lot of truth that had been sewn into me. And the other reality mm. is, is that my, my mom, I knew, was praying her heart out. Mm. My dad, too, but my mom especially. And as far as I went away from God, the only thing that I held on to, and I would never have admitted it at the time, I would have actually, you know, profusely denied it. But the one thing I held on to is that maybe God would draw me back to him because of my mom. Mm. And, and so sure enough, I mean, the truth is God stayed with me through all of that. And um, even though as a kid I had prayed the prayer of salvation yeah. several times, I, there was no surrender in it. And so finally, in my early 20s, I was driving along on an interstate and, um, um, to meet uh, up with a, a guy that um, I, I was uh, dating. And, and the magnitude of, of how my soul was just rotting from the inside out. I mean, as a young guy, I felt old. I felt mm-hmm. totally used up. I mean, I'd given away things that were never intended to be given away um, to anybody except my, my wife and, um, and entered into, you know, addictive emotional engagements as well as physical. And I was just old and, and used up. And I finally just said, I pulled off on the side of the road, my eyes bawling really, and just said, God, if you want what's left of me, you can have me. And that was my authentic salvation experience. I mean, wow. life changed from being a religious kid who was brought up in a Baptist church who knew a lot of truth to becoming mm. a son of God and being filled with the Holy Spirit. Wow. And, and life really radically changed. I went on to, um, to get married too early without um, counsel, that kind of thing. We were um, unfortunately divorced um, four years after our marriage. And it was a divorce that I didn't want. But um, um, it... And then as a result of my anger toward God, I went back into homosexuality, this time as a Christian. Whole different experience. Wow. Whole different, you know, walking in with the Holy Spirit inside of me, convicting me of sin was a whole different thing than just being a religious kid without the Spirit. So mm. um, anyway, God drew me back um, after another four or five years of really um, terrible living and drew me back to himself, um, convinced me of his love for me and brought me to a church that I moved from Chicago back to the, to the upstate New York area be, really because of this church that I heard about from different cities that I lived in around the country that were dealing with people that most churches I knew of wouldn't touch with a 10-foot pole. Wow. I thought if there's any hope for me, if, if there's any place that 
professionally, I was doing great, and, I, and, and my, um, my work was growing. But personally, my social life was adult bookstores and gay bars. So um, when I was finally sick of all of that, I emailed the pastor of this church, and he said, absolutely, come on to our church. I moved you know, from Chicago to New York and got into counseling right away with him and a couple of other lay counselors got into a small group right away. The body, and they didn't know exactly what to do. You know, they made some mistakes along the way, um, and I made some mistakes along the way, but, but they were a safe enough place. No place is going to be perfect, but they were safe enough, mm-hmm. and they knew their own depravity enough that they were willing to bear with me through mine. And so God really, even though I was about 30 years old when I got there, God really brought me into a place of becoming a man mm-hmm. in my experiences with other Christian men, especially in that church. So, and then later on, they hired me as their business administrator. After wow. they knew the whole story, they hired me as their business administrator and then their director of their lay counseling ministry about four years later. And then I was made the pastor of Soul Care Ministries. And wow. then we started this new ministry called Love and Truth Network out of that. Okay, give me number one thing. Child comes to parent and says, Mom, Dad, I'm gay. What's the reaction? What should be a Christ-honoring reaction to that at first guard your reaction i mean that that honestly hearing those words mm-hmm. whether it's whether the child says i'm gay or hey i'm gonna go live with my boyfriend or girlfriend of the opposite sex yeah. or whatever which That's doesn't true. usually raise as many feathers unfortunately it's which the it same should kind of yeah, exactly um but rather than simply reverting back to what they've been taught which of course we can talk about truth absolutely but there's something going on inside of them there, there's a hunger, there's an emptiness, mm-hmm. there's something that even though they've grown up with the truth, that somehow either seems irrelevant or it's not meeting the need. And so realizing in hearing that story and hearing that um, a, a child coming and saying I'm gay or I'm, or I'm just really blowing it sexually or I'm pregnant or whatever, yeah. um, it's mm-hmm. to realize that there's something really broken and, and empty on the inside of them. And, and first and foremost, listening for that, before we bring the Bible out and just start kind of thumping Bashing. people in the head with it. Yeah. Right, right. That, it's never a good idea to do that. So, uh, but I think hearing their story, under, trying to understand more of where they're at, and, and, and yes, bringing out truth, but trying to understand how does the truth of Scripture that you've grown up with, how does that seem irrelevant? How, how is that not meeting the need? So by asking a lot of questions as opposed to really condemning or, um, or reacting harshly. And I would totally agree with that. Imagine Jesus walking onto your local college campus. What would he say? Would he be like Matthew chapter 9, seeing the people harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd? And say, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. At Christian Collegiate Network, we are sending workers into the harvest. We are training students how to proclaim the glorious gospel, not only in the way that they live their lives, but how to speak to the campus community about the gospel. If you want to support our ministry at Christian Collegiate Network by becoming a campus leader or financially, go to changeyourcampus.com. Christian Collegiate Network, changeyourcampus.com. Ratings. We don't need no stupid ratings. You're listening to Witness Radio with Ryan Muriak. <coughs> but we like Ryan. <coughs> We do! Just go to witnesstalkradio.org. When I, when my mother finally asked me, Mm. um, or I told them that I thought I was a lesbian and that God had created me this way, 
I thought for sure my sister had become a born again believer. This was before I came to Christ. Your identical twin sister. My identical twin oh, sister, wow. who has never struggled with same sex attraction. Just for the record, um, <laughs> we try to emphasize oh, yeah. that. There, that's a big one right there, yes. isn't it? Right. In this, in the what they try to use as an excuse today. Mm-hmm. Wow. So um, I thought for sure she was going to condemn me, tell me I was going to hell. I mean, I was sort of bracing for that reaction. And instead, I mean, she did hand me a list of verses, which was fine, and I didn't read them (laughs) right away. Um, But I think it was my mother who said, we don't agree with you, we don't believe it's God's best, but we love you anyway. Mm. And that was, like, perfect, because I knew, so I knew they Mm -hmm. would be praying for me, I knew they loved me, but I also knew they weren't giving me the go-ahead. And so, yeah, I would highly recommend, I always talk with parents and other family members. Remember, they're still your son. They're still your daughter. Um, they want to make their sexual identity 100% of the conversation because they're desperate for mm-hmm. your acceptance. And they're going to try to argue with you. They're going to try to get your goat and, and, and make you fight. And to, to just remember that um, arguing usually isn't the way that someone's mm-hmm. going to be won. At the same time, it's important for parents to hold the line mm-hmm. on the truth, to have strong boundaries, um, to not enable, as a professional counselor, I'm always talking with people about not enabling bad yes. behavior. And so it's a tricky line. It's mm-hmm. a tricky line when you love your child, right. you want to see the best for them. And um, so it's that balance of love and truth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think as a parent, I mean, you're hearing it for the first time, or someone that loves this person that's talking with you, you're hearing it for the first time, and so it's easy to just kind of react to it, but realizing that they have probably been struggling with this for years before they ever brought it, and, and they're in a place where they're so desperate that, that they're, they're going to bring it out into the light, and it's something that's been pent up in them for a long time. So, yeah, they're going to kind of have their, their dukes up a little bit and, and ready to to fight and what dismantles that. I mean, a soft answer turns away wrath, exactly, right? Is what yeah. scripture says. So that's really true in these kind of situations. Now, I love how in your counseling, because, and well, hang on, let me just, I just want to finish the story for everybody. You guys have only been married for seven years. Mm-hmm. Seven that's and a right. half, yes. Yeah. That's amazing. That's and awesome. you've got two beautiful boys. Mm-hmm. Yes. Tell me real quick how that happened. I mean, that's just kind of cool to see how God put you guys together to minister together yes. to so many out there that are experiencing that brokenness. Yeah. Well, again, the short story is we met at a conference um, for, it's a training conference to run uh, one of the programs we highly recommend. It's called Living Waters. And we met, we talked, and that was it. It wasn't like any bells or whistles mm-hmm. went off. But then we saw each other, like, again at New Year's at a party and then the following summer, and that's when Gary made his move and said, <laughs> <laughs> you know, he was interested in pursuing a relationship. I was living in the Washington, D.C. area at the time, and he was in upstate New York. So it was long distance while I was finishing my master's degree, and it was quite a culture shock. But, <laughs> yeah, I don't but we knew it was God-ordained because I had really felt since, like, early 2001 that God was calling me to start a ministry for mm. sexual brokenness where there wasn't one. And upstate New York, where Gary was, there wasn't anything mm-hmm. in terms of support other than what he was working on. Mm-hmm. And so when I found out that he had a heart for this type of ministry, my ears perked up. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it was clear that God had drawn us together. So we dated, wow. then I moved up there, we got engaged, I lived with the family from the church for a year. and. Yep. 
we got married and yeah that's awesome yeah, and now two fun. beautiful boys and yes. and a ministry together to glorify god mm-hmm. okay parents don't overreact uh right. treat your treat your kids in love as hard as that is church how do pastors how do lay people in the church how how does a church say we don't want to be that church that just goes oh you've got sin no good here mm-hmm. because in reality those are the ones that we're welcoming saying you're broken this is the hospital right. this is the place to exactly. get really exactly. fixed mm-hmm. how, how do how do you help a, the culture of a church go from mm-hmm. the standoffish mm-hmm. you've got sin to the come in Christ's love can heal right well i the first thing i would say to a pastor is or christian leaders is it so often the Christian leader that, that has that desire to speak into the culture and to, and to be redemptive even, they're kind of standing on the edge of their own community, kind of looking out. And, and they want to uh, be redemptive and, and call people in. But what I would encourage is you need to take some steps back to the core of your own Christian community and start asking some of the hard questions of um, who in our own community is dealing with sexual and relational mm. brokenness. And what kind of ministry do we have for people dealing with those things? They say it takes anywhere from three to five years for guys to really mm-hmm. come out of this this grip that's on them. Mm-hmm. What is it like for people to come out? And, and what have you seen? How long does it take for people to, to break free? That's a great question. I would say with individual counseling... It's several years in the process, and the reason it's it's quite in-depth is because I work with mostly women, but some men, in looking at the roots Mm. of their sexual brokenness or their relational brokenness. And so we're going back to their family of origin and really looking at the wounds that they've received. Um, again, unintentional, intentional, whether it's, it's as bad as sexual abuse or maybe more neglect, rejection, things like that. And in that process of not just saying, oh, hey, this in my, in my past affected me and what I believed about God, about myself, and about other people comes from this, this, and this, mm-hmm. but then inviting Jesus to come yeah. in through the power of prayer and to heal those wounds. The gospel changes lives. Amen. Um, Amen. Jesus is in the business of resurrecting the dead. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> yes. so yes. Um, maybe that's physical for some, but emotionally dead, the yeah. spiritually dead. Mm-hmm. And so in counseling, it's, it's about helping the person identify what are the blocks to walking in the fullness of, of who God's created me to be. Mm-hmm. Now, in general, with, let's say, something like homosexuality or even pornography, there are some common factors that I tend to see, and I think Gary would agree with mm-hmm. me in Absolutely, that. Absolutely, right. Um, you know, like being exposed at an early age, yeah. being sexually abused, um, absent fathers, absent mothers, or abusive parents, um, you know, peer rejection, things like that. And so it's really about unpacking that and... Um, and also, and this is, this is key, taking what we know intellectually to be true and what the Bible says and actually allowing the Holy Spirit to minister it to the heart. So I it, am, It's got to go from here to here, doesn't it? Absolutely. That's the only mm-hmm. way we're actually going to change. Um, if we're just focused on, uh, what do we call it, sin management yep, right. or behavior modification, it's not going to last. So wow. we're after a heart transformation. Mm-hmm. Amen. And, and I had heard um, many times growing up in church the idea of 
of um, understanding moving from the head to the heart. And, and I got that, that made sense to me, but what I didn't understand is that actually what we have is we have at least two different belief systems. So it's not just that it needs to filter from my head to my heart. There, there's a place experientially that that's in me that disagrees with scripture mm. that disagrees with the goodness of god wow. where in the world were you when i was exposed to pornography at five or six years old why did you allow that to happen you could have prevented it from happening and so you have those experiences and thousands of other right. negative experiences that 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 create an experiential belief system that when someone's been brought up in church and they know this truth it still disagrees and so Generally, what happens is we, we experience pain or loneliness or emptiness of some sort, and the thing that we reach for because it's an immediate um, uh, payoff is some, something unhealthy, right. or we've, we've turned something healthy into something unhealthy, and, and, we, and that creates the addictive cycle. But it's really needing to deal with that other belief system that stands mm-hmm. wow. against um, what, what God's Word actually says. That's and then the, other, the last part that I would say that I think is so critical, and I don't believe churches focus enough on this, is that in order for us to come out of sexual and relational brokenness, and in the Conquer series it talks about this, we absolutely have to have a community around us. God wow. created us for community. Mm-hmm. And I think our idea of community is so tepid <laughs> yeah. compared to, even, even what we think is amazing community is, is still falls short of what God um, has in mind for us. Psalm 68, 6 says that God takes the lonely and puts them in family. And, and so I think that it's so critical that we as believers open up our, our homes, our, our hearts, to embrace one another at a deeper level than we, we typically do, realizing that if we do anything less than that, we really are kind of operating out of sin management. Mm-hmm. Jesus isn't going to miraculously come down, typically, and, and sort of fix Oof, us, yeah. especially when it's relational brokenness um, issues. He is going to work through you, him living in you mm-hmm. is going to minister to me and vice versa and others around us. So he is moving, but he's doing it, um, yes, absolutely in our own alone time with him, but he's also doing it through the body in ways that mm-hmm. he won't otherwise. And so when the body isn't being the body of Christ, there's a way that we, we just, our, need, our needs are going unmet. And so in the vacuum of that, hmm. we more easily turn to other things. Doesn't give us excuse for sin, but right. it does help us understand how it, how it happens uh, pretty easily. So for the person that they struggle, they want to do right, they fall. They struggle, they want to do right, they yes. fall. They, yeah, they need to under, yes. I've been there too, many, <laughs> many times. How many times? God, I'm, I would even wait for days or weeks to say I'm sorry to God right. because I was like, I need to put some time between the yes. action and the I'm sorry because mm-hmm. I'm so guilty. And those mm-hmm. that are going through that, understanding this, this is a process, but keep continually going to the truth and going to Scripture God is the one who gives us the ultimate healing mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. with that new heart. And the gospel, you're mm-hmm. right, is the answer. We need a new creature created in Christ Jesus inside of us. And we've got to expose it to the body. There have to be a few people that we expose it to. And that's the last thing that any of us want to do. You're right. But that's, again, consistent with mm-hmm. God's word. If you expose right. it to the light, right. yes. then that light is what allows the cleansing yes. and the healing Absolutely. to take place. Mm-hmm. Wow. Some of you out there have only exposed to the light what has been found out, Mm -hmm. what has been discovered. You will never experience freedom until you willingly expose everything to the Mm -hmm. light. If you're going to experience that freedom that we find in Christ. Mm -hmm. You're listening to Wendell's Radio. Wow, Eric, that was a great interview. Where can people go to find out more information about the Ingrams? 
They have a website called loveandtruthnetwork.com. So loveandtruthnetwork.com, and that is the best way to reach them. They actually travel to churches and invest in churches to teach church leaders how to handle sexual brokenness because most church leaders are not equipped to do that. So I just want to encourage, uh, if you're a listener out there, I just want to encourage you, reach out to somebody. Perhaps Gary and Melissa will be the first ones you reach out to. Uh, Perhaps there's somebody else in your life that you can reach out to that you trust. But you need somebody that can give you the love of Christ and show you the absolute truth that God created you for a reason and for a purpose. And you really do need that new life in Christ. So I encourage you, if you're struggling with sexual brokenness in any regards, reach out to those that have the truth and that can help. Amen. Where can people go to get more information about you and your ministry, Creation Today? Well, I'm blessed. We've we've got an amazing website, creationtoday.org. So creationtoday.org is a fantastic resource that has lots and lots of uh, videos that you can watch. It's got articles and blogs and tons of stuff to help equip you to defend your faith in the God of the Bible. So if you're not prepared, you need to be prepared. And that's what creation today is all about, is giving you the information you need today to defend your faith. So I encourage you to check out creationtoday.org. Eric, thank you for being on the show. We will not have an episode next week because I will be with Christian Collegiate Network, CCN, in New York City during our annual Repent and Witness mission trip. So thank you all for listening. And until next time, the fields are ripe for the harvest. So what are you waiting for? Get out there and share your faith. May God bless you. Witness Radio has been brought to you by the Muniac family.